You are listening to the My Therapist Friend Podcast. Here are your hosts, David Wormuth and the other guy. Seriously, though? Seriously? You're the other guy. We paid money for that? Yeah. <laughs> the other guy. Three words. James Laramore is to only two. That's four syllables, though. The other guy, it's you have to pay per syllable, so we're trying to save some money. Okay. Welcome to season two, everybody. Yeah, made it. And we are appreciative. That's it. How do you say it? Appreciative. That you have been so patient. Waiting for us to come out with season two. <laughs> it has been bananas. Yeah. So. yeah, there was a pandemic and kind of threw things behind. Well, we started it in the pandemic. So. Well, they, I guess the audience knows that now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so welcome back. What have we been up to? We've got a new person co-hosting, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, kind of. Hello. It's also known as the Resident Giggle Monster. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's my beautiful, adoring wife, Kelsey Laramore. <laughs> Why she looks scared? Like she I don't know. Like anytime you talk, she looks scared. Well, like, what is he gonna say? <laughs> if I had a if I had a can crut no, I'm just kidding. She's I'm, always flinching. She's very hyper vigilant. If anybody's been hit, it's me being hit. I'm not doing that. <laughs> so. so today's theme is anxiety. Anxiety. So we're doing things a little bit different. We're going to kind of just uh, talk about some different topics, um, things related to that. And um, we're doing this live. So we're going to post this live. So we're going to keep this rated G for the whole family. Live the- from Dave's basement. <laughs> It's my therapist friend. Oh, I thought you were going to say, from David's basement where I have never left, and he's catching yeah. me in here locked up. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He eats me once a week. No, you, you think. But no. So, guess do like a real quick, just like update, update. as to weekend update. Seven weekends in a row. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, what's been up with you, James? School. Been doing school. Been stressed out about school. I recently switched uh, positions at my job. Where do you work? None of your business. (laughs) Um, So, basically, uh, yeah, switched out. It's more focused on, like, transitional youth. Mm -hmm. Like, youth trying to get into adulthood. And um, so... Smaller caseload, but higher need, mm-hmm. um, higher needs, I guess. Like no support systems. So mm-hmm. I'm basically like five people's support system now. So, but I like it a lot more. It's not as spread out and running around and going to schools and then secretary being like power tripping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to press the button. Be careful. <laughs> I want to play a game. <laughs> I'm like, is this lady on a tricycle? And she has the face. And this was way before Halloween. This is <laughs> every day of the school year. Just Her cycling. name was Karen. They're all yeah. Karens. They're all. Oh, all right. Dave hit us with the Karens. I've yeah. uh, been doing that. Been working on getting our like 
licensure for like foster care, I guess. I don't know, cert- certificates. Yeah, to become licensed foster parents. Yeah, so been doing that. That's exciting. What's your biggest worry about it? I guess what? Oh, what is your? Because he's like, let me pull out the list. (laughs) Yeah, I have several, but my main one would be someone hurting my dogs. Mm. Yeah, because I just love them so much, and they don't know. Yeah, you know who don't know the the dogs. dogs. Yeah, then why does it matter if they hurt them? They won't really know what's going on. They won't even know how it happened. They're like James does this all the time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, I meant like they won't. They won't understand. Exactly. So they'll be fine. Yeah. (laughs) No, I get it. And I've, and being a foster parent myself and having dogs, it is a risk. And, um, and I would say more foster kids, most foster kids love animals. Animals are therapeutic. Um, it gives something for them to, um, care for, empathize with, uh, teaches responsibility, um, to cuddle with, show affection towards because humans are often really mean and torturous. Mm-hmm. And so to have this unconditional love from an animal, uh, to some kids, they just, they thrive in that. So most kids are are friendly towards animals. And it's a valid concern because there are kids who do hurt animals. However, sometimes it's not intentional. It's more impulsive. Mm-hmm. So they're doing things and not even realizing, like if they're having an anger outburst and they don't care who's around or what's happening and if they're throwing, hitting, you know. Yeah. And sometimes you could just redirect the animals um, to run outside and run for their lives. <laughs> <laughs> run! Run for the hills! <laughs> and, and, or you could just train your dog to be a Cujo. You know? <laughs> <laughs> to retaliate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's basically been it. And then, yeah, I don't, yeah, that's pretty much it. But that chews up a lot of my time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's me. What about you, Dave? What have you been up to? Um, same old, same old, still working full time, 18 different jobs is what it feels like, but, um, I love it all and I enjoy it all. I'm trying to get back into cooking again. Um, I, I used to cook a lot as like a hobby and leisure activity and, um, that's why it smells like burnt hair. And <laughs> it's probably why it smells like a burnt hair seafood factory. Cause it's, yeah. I cooked salmon the other day and I had forgot to take the trash out. So it smelled up the whole house the next day, like mm. super swampy. Yeah. <laughs> You look like you're about to pass out just thinking about it. I'm not a seafood person. But it actually was really good. And and I tried all new recipes, all new flavors that I've never tried. I made a homemade teriyaki sauce, which was actually quite easy. It was simple compared to what I thought it'd be. And um, I like with cooking, you can be creative and throw different ingredients together. And I I really enjoyed it. So. (laughs) It sounds like a plug for like HelloFresh. <laughs> we don't have a sponsorship, sponsorship, but yeah. But you can sponsor me to be your personal chef, and yeah. maybe I need to add another job to the plate and so, make some extra cash. So Dave's cooking. He's working full time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anything else new? Just, no, sadly, no. I'm still no. sadly single. Yeah. So All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> All the adoring ladies that listen, <laughs> Dave's still single. <laughs> Single da- and Dave's like an eight year old to me- <laughs> single and too it's, choosy to mingle. It's always got a single in it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so what's been new with you, Kelsey? Uh working and like James said, getting ready for um hopefully to get a foster care or foster kid. Um so we were talking to you 
before we started recording about uh, the process and how invasive it can be. Mm-hmm. Um, like the questions they the ask. The questions, yeah, yeah, are not fun. So like the last mm-hmm. time they came over, um, they split us up and interviewed us separately, which I did not like. How did that make you feel? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're alive, so I can't say. But. <laughs> yeah, it could be scary, and it's a big process and a long process. And um, and what I what I think is nice that you guys did is you did some respite for me in the past, and you've seen my boys and been around my boys, so you've gotten kind of a little uh, familiarity like with a what seven day it, trial. Like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that's kind of introduced you to the kind of kids that are out there, and um, so it's not like you're going in super naive or blinded you know yeah um and i got you guys' back so anytime you guys have questions or you're like is this normal or typical or so he hasn't woke up in three days (laughs) (laughs) that's called depression (laughs) should we call the cops he's not breathing anymore yeah that could be scary yeah so yeah that's that's a lot and like i said just get me um i want to make sure the house is ready you know when we do get Mm -hmm. um a kid and mainly just the training for all of that is, is a lot. So mm-hmm. it's kind of, well, besides work, that's pretty much what's been filling up our extra time. Mm-hmm. Say, yeah, there's a big need in our community. Um, I think they say right now, the, the average is like, you can have w- one foster parent for every like six kids in your home. And I think that's because it's the ratio of how little foster parents we have and how many foster. You can have six kids Mm -hmm. and be one person. Yep. And well, and in Missouri, it's also different too because it depends on what levels you're in. But sometimes it's even more than six kids, especially if there's like what if both adults are licensed, obviously. So I. So you could have twelve kids. If if you take in family groups and if the agency would let you, yeah, that's bananas. But I I talked to this one kid and and he's one of eight kids in the home that's and terrible. i'm like do you guys all have like do you guys just sleep on top of each other yeah, really? well you know what though i'm we, like how was the room we're doing the house walkthrough part you know where they're like okay let's he, check your that guy's probably telling check. up in his head like two kids in this room uh-huh. four kids in this room that, like checking fire alarms and uh-huh. you know just like do the windows open that sort of thing yeah. and he's like so where would the kid be staying and i'm like well we've got like a spare bedroom Uh i mean basically he's like that would be the kid's bedroom i'm like yeah like where else would the kid oh i just come from this one house and you know they've already got two kids and they're all living in one bedroom and i'm like yeah and they wanted to foster he was like yep i was like yeah they didn't see an issue with that he's like nope i was like what (laughs) that's how high the need is and so yeah i mean so for him but in my mind i go if you were Taking a kid out of a bad situation, mm-hmm. right, where they're neglected and they're abused or both, right? Why would we put them in another situation where they're neglected and really no It's almost space. kind of emotion, emotional abuse because, yeah, you have nowhere to even process emotions or right. try to. So I, I think they view it as the lesser of two evils because a lot of foster kids are in then institution Then why not just send homes? them to residential? Or something. Because, well, first of all, it's more expensive. Second of all, because kids 
kids become institutionalized. So you have a higher ratio of kids to staff. So in a residential, it's any it's more than twelve kids group homes. It's it's up to twelve kids. You know what we should do? We should write policy that requires like Jeff Bezos to take all these kids that nobody <laughs> oh wants. That's the last thing yeah. I would want for those kids yeah. is to have to live with Jeff. Be- no, I'm just joking. That's no slam. Put Amazon, him. do not come and get me. <laughs> like, he's like, I, I got a letter in the mail. Like, it's a drone. It's a drone. A drone's coming. He's just busy in outer space. We don't need him worrying about yeah. kids. But we do need people to take care of kids, yeah. really. And so, yeah, it's the lesser of two evils. And I'm not saying it's evil, but I'm just saying in their mind, it's the less restricted environment it causes, as possible. I mean, it causes me anxiety. It also, I think, is probably pretty anxiety ridden for those kids like where am i going and then thinking like oh i'm going to a better situation and then here we are and i'm in an even worse situation than i mean especially yeah. like situations where it's like first time abuse or you know mm-hmm. i mean i'm not saying any abuse is okay but i'm saying like yeah like you know i don't know so anyways it just gives me anxiety when i think about it so well another point off of that was you know that they'll never just throw a kid in your home without your consent or without your acknowledgement or permission. So they're going to say, <laughs> just coming down the <laughs> fireplace. I'm like, where did you come from? They're like, uh, Dan- Daniel Lynch just dropped me off down Why'd the chimney. Why'd you do it Santa Claus? The- <laughs> so no, what did Santa no, Claus no. give you guys? A new foster kid. Yeah. No, it's, um, what I meant to say is they're always going to call you and say, Hey, we have this kid. Here's the situation. Ideally, the kid does like a pre-trial visit. And even before that, you guys talk over on the phone. So ideally, the kid's going to come to your home, see the home, see where he would live. And we want two yeses. We want a yes from the foster home and we want yes from the foster child. All in agreement and the team, obviously, of saying, yes, this is a good fit. Yeah. So a kid that say that's uh, claustrophobic and it's a small bedroom and he's got to share a space with four other kids, you know, obviously well, they're not going to place him in that. 11, home. Dave. Oh, really? We just found out we can have 12. So. <laughs> I mean, Why, definitely... We can do a little squid games for dinner every night. <laughs> you can definitely <laughs> oh, who's see gonna the get to eat at the dinner table? But, you know, they say like, so for example, they've lowered the bar, they lowered the bar. And I know that sounds horrible, but again, that's how high the need is. To the point where it's like they don't even care as long as the kid is on a bed that's off the floor. So the kid could sleep on an air mattress in the living room, and that could be a placement for the kid. Well, Which, of course, sounds – yeah, I can yeah, see your face. That does like not that. sound ideal. <laughs> right. But the other part of me goes like how re- – I mean, that's that to me is like, okay, we've just <laughs> – you just might as well just drop the bar on the ground. Right. And kick it around. Um, but <laughs> yeah. also, it sounds like at one point, maybe the bar was set like extremely high because, mm-hmm. like, they talked about like, right. where it almost restricts the experience for the foster parents and for the kid mm-hmm. because they were talking about how you need to get releases mm-hmm. to do like anything. Like oh you you're taking the kid to church camp you need to get right. everybody needs to you sign have to get releases. the judge's approval for the kid to go or you know it's it's also hard because we're in Joplin Missouri in the four state area so if you wanted to run to Tulsa to go to the zoo yeah. you had to get the whole team's approval before you could even go yeah and they they have like made it a little bit easier and it's yes. called uh, prudent parenting uh, it's a policy that's statewide and each state is different I'm just familiar with Missouri. 
Um, but you're right too, where the bar was so high that back in the olden days, which I don't know when that was years ago, <laughs> like to foster and, and it was more to adopt, you had to be like day. wealthy, like rich yeah. Yeah. in order to provide for a child. Um, and, um, and they some realized state. there's no rich people in Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> I said, wait a second. Well, and then I also think of the orphan trains. And so a lot of times, like in New York, there was a lot of uh, orphans that they would ship off on these trains to the Midwest and oh. to the West, to uh, send them to farmlands and to be adopted. Ooh, I and heard. Then, okay. So they used to do this thing and it was like, uh, it was like part of DYS. Mm-hmm. Like when Missouri came up with the Missouri system and it was like, you go out to these camps and they used to do that. Like they would send all across Missouri. So, but you still have like cities in Missouri, like Kansas city, St. Louis, like the St. Louis area Mm -hmm. is its own district. The Mm -hmm. city of St. Louis is because of like the, population there is so much higher than the rest of Missouri. Like it's, it's its own like district. So Missouri split up into, I think like five districts and there's like Southwest, mm-hmm. whatever central. Yeah. yeah. But then like St. Louis is his own, but they used to send like kids from St. Louis to middle of nowhere, Missouri mm-hmm. And be like, we're going to teach you how to light a fire with your hands. <laughs> you know? And, like, and then, you know. I just see these chapped hands. Like, how do I do this? No, yeah. And this started, like, I think, like, in the 80s. But you 70s, know what? This 80s. still happens. Because I, I'm here in Joplin, and I've still got – I got kids placed in my home from Kansas City. I've got kids placed in my home from St. Louis. And it's a culture shock. No, yeah, no. But, I mean, they can still express themselves however they want to, those sorts of things. I'm talking about, like, these were kids who had obviously committed some form of crime. Mm-hmm. And, you know, instead of being punitive, Missouri is more like a treatment-based. And a lot of stuff nowadays is more like diversion. They don't really, you have to, like, really just not try to end up going to DYS. Or you have to commit a very serious crime. But back then, they would just, like, ship them out. And it ended mm-hmm. up having, like, really bad outcomes because it was it, it was in hopes to show them like look everywhere is not like st louis or kansas city or wherever you're coming from like not everywhere is poverty stricken you could move yeah. out of the city you don't have to stay in the city um you could like move out here yeah. and it's not it's quiet and all that but it just like it was almost like worse than just putting them like in a halfway house sort of environment like in the city mm-hmm. and like I don't even know where I was going with that. I know some kids, like, at some point. <laughs> not, at some, not. I was wondering. <laughs> at some point, like, two of the kids, like, ran off um, and then, like, murdered a family and, oh, like, stole their car wow. and drove back to St. Louis. And Yeah. yeah. So, more of the story is keep the kid where they're familiar. <laughs> no, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know where I'm going. More of the story, don't be a false Given Kelsey anxiety. My, My therapist, therapist friends. <laughs> Today is about anxiety. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so what is what does anxiety yes, look like? Anxiety. What does anxiety look like in you in you guys? 
Me, I have, okay, so like doing the job that I do, I love it because I constantly get to work on the fundamentals of controlling your anxiety and learning what it is and how it affects you. And so for me, it's like, I have a tendency to like, like I tense up in my shoulders and then I'll sweat. (laughs) If I'm sweating like really bad, I'm not doing anything. I'm either having a heart attack or it's anxiety. <laughs> or I got the meat sweats. Yeah, I got That's the meat. what I'm sweating. I got the, I got, <laughs> I got the sweats. Um, but, yeah, so basically um, it's that. And then if I'm being forced to conversate or talk, I'm usually really quick. And I'm talking like this. And I'm like, come on, let's yes. we need this. We need a lot of people do that. Now. Talking really um, fast. Yeah. yeah and uh, usually a little bit more aggressive, like with my tone. Mm-hmm. Um and not very friendly. Have you ever had a panic attack? Uh, yeah, like a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you remember like what brought it on or how long it lasted? Uh, I think it just, I think it just depends. I mean, what I had, I don't. There was there was like once. It was actually like after. Uh, like church one night, I did not have a very good night at church. And then it just kind of like carried over because I had like homework I had to get done. It was like a bad deal, like a cycle. Uh, but I don't know, 10, 10 mm-hmm. minutes, 30 minutes. I think I was good, kind of vented and then good to go. Mm-hmm. But did it look differently for you? Like, uh, having general anxiety, and um versus anxiety during the panic attack wait say that again like what did the panic attack look like for you how did that differ oh panic attack is just like like you're not thinking at all like your thought process is just or at least for me maybe mm-hmm. that's not a panic attack i don't know but like my thought process is just nothing nothing and mm-hmm. i'm like to the spot like I was like, I just need to get separated. I like have to get yeah, away from everything or else something bad's going to happen. <laughs> so, well, okay. You know. Including his wife. Apparently. <laughs> She's wearing sunglasses today. Yeah. <laughs> no. Let me put my scarf back Yeah. <laughs> What's anxiety look like in you, Kels? Um, I would say I do get frantic, um, overwhelmed. Kind of like what he was saying, like, I will talk really fast Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of, I think, my anxiety is, so I have this, I have a really big thing with, like, being on time, and if I'm not on time, or I think I'm not going to be on time, Mm -hmm. it's not good. It's (laughs) not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, you know, I'll I'll start getting, like, more frantic, and um, I'll escalate, like, my demeanor will, you know, I'll get a little bit more short. Um, that's not possible. <laughs> I meant short with my oh, my attitude, oh, not with okay. my height. Yeah, mm-hmm. she gets real passive. She'll bring up stuff from the past. <laughs> Guilty. Yeah, I mean there are other things that trigger uh, it too, but I mean just in general, that is definitely one of them. That have you ever I, had a panic attack? Yes. And what did that look like for you? Um. So. My heart was beating like super, super fast. Mm-hmm. Um, I have. We were actually talking about this not too long ago. Um, I had one in college because I was just so overwhelmed with like homework and you know um, trying to graduate on time and 
um, internships and all that other stuff. So um, my heart was just beating like insanely fast. And then, um, like he said, my thought process was just went from, well, from like bad to worse. Mm -hmm. Well, if I don't get this homework done, I'm going to fail this class. And Mm -hmm. if I fail this class, I'm going to have to flunk out of school. And if I flunk out of school, then I'm going to have to wait tables for the rest of my life. And if I wait tables for the rest of my life, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and it just, just kind of like, um, like it's my, it's my own thought process, just Mm kind of like beating me down, you know, like I just keep thinking like the worst of the worst of the worst. Mm You know, they'll say, you know, anxiety differs uh, compared to some other disorders in that it is more um, of rational fears, Mm -hmm. rational worries. Like that could happen, you know, if you fail all these things and then have to flunk and then have to work at McDonald's the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, which nowadays you could make a good living, probably Probably. more money than me (laughs) (laughs) if you're working at McDonald's. Yeah. you know, so I don't know if I've ever had a panic attack, but I've had a lot of different times in life where I have anxiety. And again, the reason I wanted to talk about this because a lot of mental health disorders are are like syndromes. Mm-hmm. So they're going to vary in how long and the intensity and how it affects your body, um, all differently compared to different populations and cultures. For me, um, I would feel nauseous, almost like a stomach ache. Uh, headaches are a common one for people. James, you said earlier you would get like muscle tightness. That's another common one yeah. for people. So one of the coolest things in oh wait, hold up. Are you did did you tell you're talking about like you what you have like when you get anxiety? No, we were talking about what you have. Oh. What do you have, Dave? <laughs> Dave likes I like to deflect. Yeah. <laughs> That's a defense mechanism to uh, hide my own emotions. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a therapist. I'm not allowed to share with part of Dave's others avoid, how I feel. avoidance behavior. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, so for me, you know, the anxiety is like stomach ache. I feel nauseous. That's why there's a lot of loss of appetite for kids. You know, if they get a lot of stomach aches and headaches or they're not eating, that could be anxiety related. Um, and so. Um, for me, that's, that's more what it looks I also shut down. So like some people, they talk really, really fast, um, when they're nervous. I've, I've had a lot of people that I've met who have a lot of anxiety and they'll do that. Me, I get, I get more quiet. I mean, there are times where I feel like I got to fill space and I got to talk to entertain others. I don't know if it's as much as anxiety as just me being a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but anxiety, I, I heard it said once, you know, how do you explain anxiety or what is anxiety? And they'll say it's like the worry or the fear of what is about to happen next. Yeah. So when I'm explaining this to kids or like if you're trying to explain it to your child at home, we talk about like caveman brain, Mm -hmm. but kind of, you know, what were those things that protected us a long time ago? And then as we've evolved, you know, I, I will usually ask a kid, I'll be like, when's the last time you had to run from a bear? And they're like. I don't run from bears. Bears don't exist. <laughs> bears anymore. run from me. <laughs> I'm like, okay, go ahead. Kids. Get the Copenhagen out of your mouth and let me teach you coping skills. Anyways, so basically, but like. I wish a know, bear come up on me. But. By dying. But uh, I basically, I'll we'll do that whole bit. And then I'll, I'll basically tell them like, 
even though you're not having to run away from dinosaurs or bears or what, I don't think my timeline's right there. Anyway, I had a kid correct me on that one time. That's the only reason I said that. He's like, dinosaurs and people weren't around at the same time. Now everybody talks like Larry the Cable Guy. Anyways, basically, I'll, I'll let the kid know, like, we have evolved as people and our brains have. We still have that in there, right? Like that thing that fight, flight, or freeze right. response. And we don't have to run away from bears anymore, but it has adapted to be formed more to being on time. It's, does everybody know my flies down? <laughs> does everybody <laughs> like me? Yeah, yeah. See, yeah. and so like, and so it's more formed around these social situations. Mm-hmm. And then I like to tell them, and explain, right? So one of the best ways to conquer anxiety is to know why is my body doing this? What is the purpose of this? Mm -hmm. So my body sweats a lot, right? So in a fight, flight, or freeze scenario, if I'm getting ready to fight or run, my body needs to be cool. So it's, it's cooling itself down. I'm sweating because it's cooling itself down. Mm -hmm. Um, if you have things like your heart rate elevates, right? Or your breathing gets quicker. That's your brain's trying to get more oxygen because it's thinking that it's going to have to fight or it's going to have to run really fast. Right. And so that oxygen gets the blood pumping, which allows for the muscles to work better in those fight or flight scenarios. Basically Mm -hmm. anyways, like I said, I just like going over that with the kids and there's a ton of different other scenarios. Some kids I've had in the past, they throw up Yep. And that's that's part of the body getting ready to run because, okay, I, anything I don't need right now, I need to get rid of it so I can run without no issues. Mm -hmm. Um, so like I said, there's, and there's, there's lots of good resources online to better understand why your body's doing what it's doing. But, you know, and something else I, I found in working with children for many years in many different areas of work I've learned that a lot of times their anxiety um, is also very similar to how their parents had anxiety and how their parents or, or primary caregivers exhibited anxiety and, um, and how that looked. And I had, I had worked with this one youth who shared with me many generations. It was like generational anxiety. Mm-hmm. And it was their parents and grandparents and great-grandparents who – all had similar panic attacks, similar anxiety symptoms, similar ways to respond. And and just now, the kid is coming to therapy to work on these things uh, because it's debilitating. And part of me kind of feels bad. Like, wow, there's this huge line, this huge generation gap. Um, and it kind of makes me think and appreciate how mental health awareness is becoming bigger yeah. and how people are taking action with things like anxiety now instead yeah. of passing that on to your future sure. kids or grandkids. And I, and I think when I talk about like my, my speech gets quicker and I'm more jerky with my movements and I get like semi-aggressive, like that's my mom and my grandma. They both did that growing up. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have like full on because I know how to. And you're I not know. intentional. Like, so when you have that anxiety response, you're not intentionally telling yourself consciously, I'm going to exhibit my stress right now, just like my mom and grandma. No, it's, it's, it's subconscious. Not in the moment. And right. I haven't had, I mean, 
I feel like I'm more aware of it. I think my mom's gotten a lot better at it too, as she's gotten like older. And then obviously my grandma's like really old now. So she can't even, if she wanted to get mad, and, <laughs> you know, aggressive and all. And I, th- and I think anxiety with it, but, um, what are things you guys do to prevent extreme anxiety? So anxiety. Ha- being aware of those symptoms of anxiety. Okay. I'm sweating right now. Why am I like, I'm, I'm sweat. I know that I'm feeling anxiety. Why am I feeling this anxiety? So being aware of that has helped me like tremendously. Okay. For I, next time. So you're saying like, know what your stressors and triggers are. So next time you can intervene before it gets out of. Yes. Yeah. Because if we can be ahead of it. So I, like I said, um, you know, I've had cases where kids, throw up um so make an, yourself throw up before you get anxious no no, no but but i didn't don't do that i didn't find this okay. is not medical advice <laughs> so we do this we do this really cool it's basically like you look at the situation right and then we start to understand like okay how does my thoughts affect my mood and my mood affect my behavior and my mm-hmm. behavior affect my physical state and we look at because all those things interact, right? So it could start with something as simple as, um, I'll just go off something I had this morning. So like, um, my t-shirt, like is it fits, but it's, I, I didn't feel like it was quite long enough. And I felt like everybody that was singing this morning was like, James's stomach's hanging out. And that's, that's, that's right. That's what your mind does naturally. Just thinks yes. that even and, though nobody, and I'm like, yeah. And so then I'm, Pull, that's affecting my physical state. I'm pulling my t-shirt down and I'm starting to sweat. Cause I'm like, Oh, is they can seem like, is my fly down? What's going on here? Yeah. Right. And then that affects my mood, right? Because now I'm starting to feel uncomfortable and I'm starting to feel uneasy. And then that affects, uh, like I said, so we got thought, we got the physical behavior, my mood, and then my physical state. Or whatever, like I said, the, the four interactions. That's cognitive with each behavioral other. therapy, but, thought, mood, behaviors. But basically, just looking at how all those things interact, and then being able to identify it and go, wait a second, there's not, nobody's even like they've got lights on their face. There's no way they can see me down here. Mm-hmm. So telling myself that it helps me immediately. Then like looking at oh my my fly is not down. I'm crazy. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and then allowing myself to stop sweating. Right. And then that makes my mood better. Right. So just being able to identify it in the moment yeah, and know how to combat it. Right. With, with coping skills. So is that just doing some breathing exercises? Is that so rationalizing with yourself? So if, if you're feeling this kind of, you know, somewhat rational fear and worry, then rationalizing, Oh, well, they can't see and I should be fine. Yeah. I know with me, okay, so being a foster parent, I didn't realize how much issues I had until I became a foster parent. <laughs> I'm like, everything's a trigger. Um, and part of it that was because I wanted to parent the kids the way I was parented. Because I thought if it worked for me, it's got to work for them. And that's not the case. So I found interestingly, though, for me, uh, usually um, the first of the year for many years, we'll do like this Daniel fast, where basically we cut out, you know, certain foods and we just use it as a time to work on ourselves spiritually, et cetera. And so I had noticed a pattern that every time I would watch what I eat, 
in my nutrition. And I would cut out all the meat and all the dairy products. And it was basically being a vegan. Um, I noticed that when my foster sons would trigger me or upset me, I didn't have nearly half the anxiety symptoms that I did before. Like where before I would have the heart race and the heavy breathing and, and I would feel flushed and I would have a hard time talking. And then like when I'm on that and I, I didn't have all that high cholesterol from all the steak I'd been eating. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I was cool as a cucumber. Yeah. And to the point where I went nine months at one point as a false parent, just basically being a vegan. Yeah. Just for my own mental health. Because I'm like, I noticed physiologically and physically, I was feeling much better. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, so I still eat meat to this day. And I am I still, you know, I still eat meat. But it's not as much as I used to. Like, I try to be a little bit more mindful okay. of cutting that back um, just in my day-to-day uh, nutrition. Because I, I notice in me physically, nutrition played a big role. And for some people, it's sleep. Some people, it's it's their self-talk and their inner parent voice. Yeah. Um, some people, it's exercise, you know, and it's some people, it's all those things. Yeah. Um, you know, but I like you said, it's kind of like learning what, having that self-awareness. And that's the thing. That's the thing. Until you start to explore it, until you start to look at it, you never get better at it. Yeah. Um, I, that's one thing I can't stand with, like, parents. Well, I tried what you said, and it didn't work. And I'm like... And I didn't say it would. I didn't promise well, here's, you. Here's I'd... also the issue with that because I'll, I'll hear that too. And a lot of times, any okay, we know that we can set our kids to timeout. That's been talked about as a disciplinary action, to, as a common one. The issue is it's how we use the tool, how we use the discipline. Because if you send your kid to the corner for two hours, obviously you're not doing the consequence right. Yeah. You know, or if you're sending your kid to bed at 6 p.m. and then expecting them to stay asleep until 6 a.m. the next morning, you're obviously sending your kids to bed too early. Yeah. You know, so sometimes with parents, it's it's teaching them, you know, well, how did we use this tool? Well, I just, I mean, even with like some of my friends still don't like mental health isn't real or I don't, yeah. I'm not like, I don't believe in that. Yeah. Um, I've tried some of that. It doesn't work. And I'm like, that's, I mean... It's one of those things. It's like not everything that you go over with a therapist or you talk about is going to work for you. Like it's it's kind of a trial and error thing to see what works. Well, and actually to build on that too, James, you know, often they say in therapy, research shows the best indicator of what can work now is what has worked in the past. Mm -hmm. So instead of me as a therapist playing a guessing game and treating my client like a guinea pig, I'm always asking them, what have you done before and it worked? Yeah. What have you learned from what's worked before or what's other people done that you think could work for you? So I'm always trying to build on what they've already started as a foundation rather than like, oh, this is the way. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, and like you're going to do it my way, you know, and try it and then it'd, it'd be an epic fail. Yeah. So. Well, and I think that also goes to show you how unique it is. It's, it's so specific to that person that yes. there isn't a textbook answer right this is how you deal with anxiety this is how you deal with right any other depression illness. trauma right right it's because just as all three of us were saying like we have different triggers we have different things that cause us anxiety james mm-hmm. 
does not care that we're late. <laughs> Kelsey, I noticed your eyes got really big right there. <laughs> your, saying, your eyes are dilating. The time management thing is not a big deal to him, but it's a huge deal It doesn't deal give to me. me anxiety. Yeah. Right. I sure. care. But, yeah. I care because it gives her anxiety. <laughs> so it makes you want to be late even more. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, no. it's It's exposure therapy day. So I'm just trying to get her. I love that you're in I'm school. Just trying to get Future her. therapist here. But anyway, and, and then you both had um, made, sorry, sorry, you both had um, yeah. said two different things regarding the fact that like, it's a generational thing. And what, and I, I do believe that's true because I think that maybe I picked up that particular trigger, like from one of my parents, yeah. but I think everybody has something yeah. like, even though there's people like, oh, I, you know, mental health that, you know, I don't believe in all that or whatever. There's always something that someone it does kind of elevate their anxiety a little bit, yeah. even if they don't realize that's what it is. Yeah, for sure. So, like I said, thanks for tuning in today. Thanks for hearing us talk about anxiety. Um, like I said, if you have anything you want to add to the discussion, drop it down below. Um, like I said, we're pretty engaged online. So now we are. <laughs> we appreciate your patience once again ho hopefully we didn't give you anxiety so um our pastor pastor dan had a challenge this month like i said if you're listening and this isn't something you're into that's fine but i want to challenge you with it as well so i'm going to kind of drop one each week when we put out these episodes but this week it is your job with thanksgiving coming up to find five people that you are thankful for and let them know that. Whether that's praying with them, whether that's getting with them and just saying, hey, I appreciate and I'm thankful that you have opened these doors for me or you've talked to me about this or been here for me through these sorts of things. Like I said, I just challenge you to do that. So you're loved, you're cared about, you're awesome. Thanks for being so patient and see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. My, My therapist, therapist friends. friends. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We, we. This has been another episode of My Therapist Friend with David Wormuth and James Laramore. If you're interested in learning more, check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash mtfd and j. Thanks and have a great day.